Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Beneath Vancouver Radio. Hopefully you're having a wonderful day or night or whenever you may be listening to this episode. Um, this is going to be the second episode of 2020. We've got Jordan for the first one and now I've got special guest Gary. Um, I met Gary actually for the first time this past July in 2019. Um, we've chatted a couple times. I've been following kind of his journey, what he's been up to. Um, and Gary, I know, provides a lot of insight in terms of different kind of stuff that he's been doing. So this podcast will definitely be filled with a lot of knowledge and hopefully you as an audience can uh, get some of that. So Gary, how are you doing, man? I am doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Um, if you're listening right now and you are a student, are interested in school, entrepreneurship and that business of the life and how to actually make a difference and change your life in entrepreneurship or school or your perspective. Keep listening. Yeah, Gary, thank you for, for, for that introduction and for obviously taking the time today. And um, for, yeah, just to quickly summarize again, for those who are listening, hopefully you get something out of this. I know a lot of our audience members are young students uh, and who may or may not be interested in entrepreneurship. But Gary, I'd like to start off uh, how I start off all the previous episodes. Tell us about yourself. What is your story, Gary? My story, um, so my name is Gary Parker. My story started in Jamaica, third old country, um, amazing place. I left Jamaica when I was around 16. Um, from there, my parents immigrated to Jamaica. It was a call of God to move to, from Jamaica to Canada. Uh, it was truly a blessing. Um, and then I started doing other things. You know, you made a little bit of money in one thing, and then you start doing things in the next, right? So from that, you could call me a Jamaican Canadian entrepreneur uh, who also attends uh, a university, does life, and you know the like. That's awesome. Obviously, a lot of people who are you know coming from from different countries all over the world, and for more or less who start from I guess you could say scratch or you know, from, from working from the bottom up, it's super, you know, humbling to obviously see and hear other people's stories who, who may be sharing similar kind of, um, you know, shoes, right. And stuff like that. So uh, kind of, I guess, just to dive deep a little bit more into, you know, your specific entrepreneurial journey, kind of tell us a little bit how it more or less started. I know you mentioned, you know, you made some money here, made some money there, but Kind of how did you decide that, you know, entrepreneurship was something that you wanted to continue to pursue, um, even though you were obviously dabbling in it just a little bit? Right. So for me, entrepreneurship, you could say, has been in my blood. When I was around six years old, I used to sell pens. You guys would call it middle school. My uh, friends kept losing one of the points. And if you lose a point, the whole pencil is basically useless. So I would at the time set up a little pencil case rental um, studio or keeping for safe keeping. And I would essentially, they would, I would essentially rent the, they essentially pay me for safe keeping on the promise that if they, if I ever lost their pencils, I'd buy them two pencils. And from there, I uh, started my first pencil lead business. Um, I made a quite a bit of money as a uh, maybe 12, 13 year old kid. I was mm -hmm. 10, 10 year old kid. Um, bought a lot of bought a lot of ice cream cones. Showed my friends I appreciated them, and yeah, that's when I started there. My real, you could say, you know, entrepreneurial journey started when I came here in Canada one night. Uh, I don't think even my mother knew this, but when you immigrate to a country, 
unless there's two types of immigrants. There's ones that come with money and they instantly set up. Everything's good. They drive nice cars. Then there's another group that comes with absolutely nothing. And, you know, it can be a draining financial process for uh, the family. So what happened was one night I came to Canada. I was about 16. I graduated early from high school and I was a bit too young for university. And I was a bit, and I was just like on the end bud of, uh, of high school. Right? Okay. So I was out of school for about six months. I was in Kelowna, um, just chilling um, at the time. And I started doing the math and recognizing that if I should have to pay for university and do all these things, um, I would literally be in debt. Um, at yeah. the time, minimum wage was eleven twenty-five or something. And I was like doing the math. And I would, even if I worked every single day at a minimum wage job, which is a more realistic thing that can happen to you, right? I would still not have enough to like live a great life. Um, because now my safety net, which was my parents after all those years, I started to trust in it. Um, and from there, I happened to move over into Vancouver a couple of months later and started going to school. And so when I started going to high school, they put me back in high school. It was a great time. I went to Clayton Heights, great school. But during that time, I didn't fall into the regular high school category, which mm-hmm. was, yo, I'm going to go out. I'm going to talk to girls. I'm going to do these sports. <laughs> Because I like them. None of that. Um, simply because I had woken up, right? I had done high school already for the 16 years in Jamaica. And I had an opportunity to go back to high school and recognize that when I graduated, the girl who I acted prom still didn't talk to me. Um, all the things that I wondered about or was concerned about the sports, the accolades, they didn't contribute anything to the real world that I was living in. They didn't help me get ice cream when I was hungry. They didn't help me get anything. And so this time when I went back to high school, I went with a chip on my shoulder, being very aware that the real real world was out there. Um, So that led me into leveraging the school's resources at 16, 17. Um, Do you you know the media tech room at schools? Yeah, like the The AV rooms and stuff like that? AV, yeah, AV rooms. They got the classroom set up free editing software and at the back if you're part of the av club or whatever there's this like concrete section of wall where you can go in yeah exactly and a lot of people like and just to quickly chime in there like even relating that to myself personally um like a lot of you know i'm, I'm currently in university right now and a lot of people don't know of all the resources that are available like having macs uh, mac pros that have like the entire adobe creative cloud and um, like all the different kind of tools and bells and whistles that, you know, if you can just try and spend some time and seeing what's available around you instead of maybe focusing on a certain thing or a certain aspect of school, like for example, maybe just honing in on grades and not really enjoying all the other things as well can really limit your, your, yeah, your vision in terms of not just life or university, I guess, but life in general as well. So I can definitely totally relate to uh, you know, being aware of your surroundings and what's available at, you know, arguably in your, in your immediate area. Right. You're absolutely right. That is 100% true. I was blessed that I came to that realization before I went to university, mm. right? That realization happened for me in high school. Yeah. Which meant that for one and a half years, I got a head start on everyone else who was just concerned with going out. Mm-hmm. And so, what happened was in that AV room at the back, I was tinkering with ideas. At the time, I managed to work. I used to work heavy-duty machinery, um, fixing things, helping a guy out. I would get paid. 
uh, maybe probably a hundred bucks after working for a long time or felt like an eternity in the cold. You know, those big machines that tear down houses and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I used to work on those um, in the winter time. Oh God. Um, yeah. I know my fingers, especially being new and everything. I wasn't ready for the cold, but while working out there, it was um, very grateful for the opportunity I got to work. Um, just, you know, try. So what happens is I worked there for about uh, three months or so, just like as an apprentice, you could say, making barely anything. And I saved the initial $150 um, that I had. And the currency exchange, well, I took it and I invested into a company in Jamaica. Um, the currency exchange rate, just to put this into perspective, 100 bucks Canadian was like $10,000 uh, Jamaican. Okay. So what happened was I invested at 16 and a half years old or 17 years old. Um, into a company in Jamaica, a graphics design company. Um, a good friend of mine that I knew in Jamaica, he was an old dude, he was like 33. Um, he wanted to do uh, uh, things away or abroad or design things away. So at the time, I didn't want to get into doing any government anything. So I just leveraged the fact that he was a registered company in Jamaica and I did sales. I bought in and I did sales for the company. And what that really meant was just like a profit sheet, right? I get the job. Um, I go find the jobs. He does all the work. I get paid. And so it was during that stage at around 17 years old, I made a thousand bucks in three days um, from setting up a graphic things, you know, and to be very specific, do you know the signs that the realtors would put into the ground to show that they have an open house? Yeah. Yeah. Like the little right. on Saturdays exactly. and Sundays. I did 250 uh, prints worth of those. So I went through that whole process um, doing all of that. And I made quite a pretty penny just in the first beginning stages after buying the company. So that's where I got my first start on entrepreneurship was just doing that flipping switch, owning, being an owner into a company, um, again, with an older guy. And so that was my first, first start. That was my first little bit of money. And I came at 17 years old in high school, um, still having a year and like about a year left uh, to graduate. So that's where my first start uh, happened. Okay. That's actually pretty like, honestly, like we're looking back at, you know, what a lot of like, even myself personally, like what I was doing at 17 and definitely wasn't, you know, venturing into entrepreneurship and, you know, definitely can relate to a lot of the other stuff that you're saying, like, you know, chasing the girls, going out and, and partying and stuff like and that. Nothing's or, wrong with that. Nothing's <laughs> wrong with that. You know, like nothing is wrong with that. I just, like, just to put this out there, like no matter what you, how you started, um, in high school or whatever, you know, it's okay. Like I did it mm -hmm. too. I, I like, I like this girl called Lauren Berry, man. Oh, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. At the time in high school, I was, I couldn't, I had no words, right? I, I used to spend literally a year trying to gain the courage to talk to this girl, just a year of my life. Yeah. Can you believe it? Just, just an entire year, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just imagine doing that a year of your life. Um, so I totally get it. And it's totally okay if you're listening to this and you didn't sacrifice your high school years. That's 100% fine. It's just that in high school, I recognized that, you know, there's these sporting activities. I kind of got it in my head that I wasn't going to be good enough to get a scholarship by doing these sports because I would like, even if I trained super hard, you can't beat the guy who's been training three years before you when he just came to the school, mm -hmm. right? So I got it in my head and I just took matters into my own hand with that first company. 
um, to make my first little bit of money, like a thousand bucks was the start. It wasn't anything major or huge because I still came to zero dollars uh, <laughs> for money management. You know, 16 and a half, 17 years old, a thousand bucks. Like, what, what am I going to, I didn't know nothing about investing at the time. I didn't even read any books. That yeah. was like, that was like lunch money over like a, a month, two months, right? Because my parents had just came to Canada and they didn't want to stress them with asking for money, you know? Mm. Have you ever just like, no, nah, hey, mom, I don't want to ask you for anything. Yeah. Uh, dad, I don't want to ask for anything. So you just kind of handle it yourself. So that was like me giving myself lunch money, right? Yeah, you're starting to become a lot more independent, right? And, and you know, regardless whether you're doing that through, I feel like through entrepreneurship or through working like, you know, a first, uh, first time, part time job or, or whatever the case may be, I think in general, like getting that level of independency at, you know, at a, you know, relatively young age, 16, 17, perhaps even 18, you're at least starting to learn a little bit of how you can carry yourself through, you know, through life, because eventually, that's, you know, more or less how it's going to be when you become a, an adult. And I'm using, you know, air quotes on that, because, you know, becoming an adult, what exactly does that mean? That could be various different definitions, etc. But, you know, you're eventually going to have to take care of yourself. And then obviously, take care of your your folks as well as as they may get older and stuff like that. So, you know, at a 16 and 17, that's definitely a skill set and a, and a piece of, you know, character that that a lot of people, you know, aspire to have, I think, at, at that age at that time. So um, my, my follow up question to that would be, and this is more kind of like, uh, in terms of your opinion, and I'm just going to pull personally from a little bit of my experience in high school is, um, in my high school, at least here in, in, in Richmond, we did have um, an entrepreneurship class that was just like one one class. And um, I, I actually personally did not take it. I had a couple of friends that took it, but it, it was very different than what I feel entrepreneurship is considered to be now, um, especially with like, you know, the ability to to do a lot of different things through social media. So my question to you would be, for an individual who might be listening right now, like a student, whether it be, you know, just going into high school or potentially graduating high school, do you recommend or would you would you say that taking those type of classes like an entrepreneurship class or classes that are more business related, regardless whether you have an interest in business or not, would that be a beneficial aspect for anyone? So to answer that question, I'm going to fast forward to our university listeners. and I'm going to center around here. So... I wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. To answer your question, I'll tell you a story. I wanted to be a doctor. And I got into McGill University when I graduated high school while owning a business. Um, And while in McGill, among the best and the brightest at the time, I recognized that I not want to do science. Like it's something about the molecular formula, hearing (laughs) it for the 50th time, and like titrations and reductions and oxidations really just rubbed me the wrong way. So I dropped out of all my science classes while at McGill. And basically, you know, the first year for science is like bio one, chem 105 or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I try to get into a lot of business courses, but the business courses are locked in. Yes. They're locked in until you do the prereqs. Yeah. And then only for a certain amount, you know what I mean? Until, you know, to get into the business courses. So I basically had zero classes, um, except for one class in my first year university. That being said, I, at that time, had the opportunity to take, there was these unlisted entrepreneurship classes because at that time when I was at McGill, um, entrepreneurship, yes, it was cool, 
Yes, there was a faculty for it, but there was also like this realm of classes that were entrepreneurial, but because mm-hmm. the faculty hadn't caught up, they didn't restrict it to the business class. Gotcha. And me making a switch from science to business, I had to take some of the, I took some of these classes just so I wouldn't waste my time. Right. And to put this in Frank, like greatness, right. It was one of the greatest decisions. Uh, it was a good decision. It was a good decision <laughs> that I made. Like greatest, like, wow, I'm not giving this guy credit. Um, it was a good decision for the fact that, first of all, you got to understand that within school, for the most part, anyone who's going to find these classes or entrepreneurial classes at the level of university mm-hmm. has some inclination or interest to in business. Whether they're, they're going to be the next Steve Jobs, Mark Zucks, or the first Gary Parker, you know, they have some inclination towards business. And just being in that environment alone can give you renewed hope in school, right? And so I was fortunate enough to be taught by the guy who created LaserWorks Canada while at McGill. Um, and he basically told me straight up, there's about 15 people in the class, very small, very uh, um, specialized. Mm-hmm. And he basically told us, this is what you need to know about the business. This is what you need to pay attention to. Don't mess up here, you know, or you're going to get in trouble with the tax dudes. You know, he basically just laid it all out for us simply, no, um, no fluff, no anything, and said, yeah. do this and that. So for that reason, I would highly recommend, like, if you want to be a business person, you don't have to do business school or things like that. Um, but if you do have the opportunity to take a class or you need you have an extra course or an extra whatever to take, right? It's not a bad idea while in university to um you know to make a move and take that sort of class. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean you pretty much put it right on nail in the coffin as they say. I think for for me speaking as uh, as an individual and you know and when you said that all the business classes were were locked, I could totally relate. Like I'm I'm pursuing right now a, a degree in kinesiology, but I do have an interest in like business and and marketing and stuff like that. So when I try to to sign up for all these business courses, is like prereq is this, prereq is that, prereq is this, prereq is that. And you know, on one side of the coin, you understand like obviously those those classes are catered for individuals who are you know in the business faculty and such. But on the other side of the coin, I think. Um, being a little bit more flexible for individuals who, you know, hey, I have an interest in business. I want to, you know, dabble in a, in a couple of business courses to see if I, you know, want to continue to pursue this, whether it be in school or outside of school would also be kind of nice. But um, I think to follow up with that and to kind of lead to the next thing that I wanted to talk about is, you know, learning outside of the classroom. And maybe you can touch upon this as well, whether it be like in an actual, you know, school, I guess a class setting in an online class or an online course or whatever, or even learning outside the classroom through, you know, mentorship or through, um, you know, hands-on experience such as you, when you, when you did those, there's different jobs at, at 17 and before graduate graduating high school. So, um, I guess the, the thing that I wanted to ask you is what would, um, what would be the kind of the different things that you went through with, in terms of learning outside the classroom? Uh, and what would you recommend to someone who, who wants to pursue things that may be outside of their field and outside of a, of a classic institutional setting. Okay. So I'm going to break this up into two parts, right? I'm going to talk to the people who just want to make money. Okay. Then I'm going to talk to people who are in the university life, thinking about other things externally and all that stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so 
Listen, guys, uh, I'm talking to people who want to make money real quick here. Um, you're in university, sure. For some reason, you didn't decide to drop out. You need to make your peace <laughs> in that. Okay, like literally stop living on defense. You need to make your peace. If you're going to stay there, stay. If you're not, peace out and go make money and go find a way to get it going. I want to talk to you guys right now. So if you're in school, right, and if you want to make money while in school, you're an entrepreneur while in school, and I'm talking about a real entrepreneur, and I'm, I'm talking about like a entrepreneur, like you're making like 50 bucks, 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks. Um, I'm talking about like you want to you wanna be the guy who, um, or the gal, or the girl, or the lady, um, or the person <laughs> who wants to take, you know, it's politically correct these days, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, or you want to yeah. be that person who gets to live life on their own terms because that's what it is, freedom, Yeah. right? The truth of the matter is you've got to get, like you got to know, you got to know something, right? You got to just trade your services for money, trade your time. If in the initial stages, time is all you got, trade it for money. You got to learn about a skill. Like if you have nothing to offer the market, um, you're not going to get any money, right? So what do you have to offer the market? The first step, you want to make money while you're in school, um, which is different from owning a business because making money is different from owning a business. Right. Some people get it confused. They're like, oh, man, I want to own a business, this and that. The truth of the matter is business has got stuff to do, like taxes, right? Yeah, so exactly. I would recommend that if you just want to make money, find a product or a service that you can offer to people that the market wants, okay? And then just sell it. And the best way to do this is not to fall in love with your idea or your product, but simply to go and ask a bunch of business owners what they want and then just go sell it to them mm-hmm. or go sell it to um, go sell it to whoever needs your service or product or fulfill a need. So one of the cool things about that in my art company that I own, uh, we so I think of Airbnb and Netflix just for art when I talk about my art company. Um, so what I did in the beginning days when I was just starting this company, I door knocked literally almost 500 businesses. I sent over a thousand emails, right? Mm-hmm. Or was it in 799? I don't know, but just call <laughs> it right. And I literally said, Hey, listen, guys, I got art from locals in the area. I want to, you want to, I want to put it up in your place and I want you to pay me. Right. And I was like, okay, what do they need to, what do I need to sell it? I need to put, Oh wait, you want to be involved in the community? I'm going to sell that community spin because everyone wants to be engaged. And then from there, I took it from there. For, then I took that spin. I was like, what do realtors want to get art? I was like, oh, they want to be seen. They want to be known as a good guy. So I wrapped that package around the art and to be seen and be known as a good guy and started landing $3,000, $4,000, $5,000, right? Um, so, and that was all while I was in university at McGill at the time. I was calling, I was on the East Coast, mm-hmm. calling the West Coast to set up these deals. And then being at university and I had my own place, uh, fortunately, and I would make these deals and go home and buy pizza the next morning, right? It was just crazy. Um, yeah. But so if you're in university and you just want to make money, um, you don't want to be an entrepreneur, you don't want to own a business, right? You just want to make some more cash. Just find out what you can offer to the market and uh, go ahead and do that, right? Um, but now these are for the guys who are entrepreneurs or the gals or the people who are entrepreneurs in university. The best, literally the best, the best thing that I've found in my experience is to expand your horizons, expand your knowledge, expand 
what you know, expand what you do. And this is going to help you think bigger. Because when you're in university, you're around a high concentration of people who are trying to figure it out. Yeah, are like, exactly. oh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm not sure what I'm going to, like, oh, maybe I'll try this. That's majority of the conversations you're going to hear while you're in, you're in university. And the fact is, if you're around a lot of people that are saying that, it is easy for it to seep into your mind, right? That conversation, the talk is going to be seeping into your mind. So you need to be able to separate yourself and say, I am doing this and not second guess and not be in infected by that thinking. And so once you know that you are doing this, that you are sold on this is your business, you're, you're sold on this, right? And then you have to go out and expand your horizons, think bigger and go big with your business, go harder, try bigger, right? So the truth of the matter is, if you really want to actually have a business in university and have a business that can pay your tuition or have a business that some people, like you need to get clear, what's the income goal of your business? You know, what's all these things? Because if you have an idea that you've been putting your time and energy into, it's not really a business, you know, yet. Mm -hmm. It's a cool idea that could start up. You're validating the idea. And there's so much going to around building a business, but that's not what I'm going to talk about building a business. I'm just saying, try and get rid of the thoughts in terms of negativity or in terms of not knowing what you're going to do, because that's the majority of the thoughts in university. Remember that you're not like them and that you have a mission and then think bigger and get more uh, wider perspective on what you're constantly being exposed to at school. Pretty much what you just said, I think, summarizes what a lot of people that even I personally know that, um, as you mentioned, are either because the the beauty and the lavish lifestyle or lavish lifestyle. But I guess like what's portrayed on social media and what's portrayed, like obviously through a lot of, you know, big entrepreneurs out there in, in the world, obviously makes entrepreneurship a lot more enticing. I think nowadays, especially with, as you mentioned, the financial freedom the, the ability to live life on your own terms, whether that be traveling or, or, or however the case may be, has obviously made entrepreneurship a lot more, you know, a lot more popular as a lifestyle choice, right? Or as a, as a career path. But um, I think it's, and you, the way you divided it up, I think is really beautiful is like the way of saying that if you just wanted to make, you know, you're a university student, you want to have some extra money for food or whatever. That, and then if you have a skill or, or, or some sort of service or time that you can trade for that kind of money, then go do that, right? Like that's um, that's as simple yeah. as I think economic sense could be, right? You're bartering yourself or your time or your service for money, and there's an exchange, right? That that goes all the way back to, you know, when people were exchanging cows for for beans or or whatever the story may be, right? Um, and then on the other side of that coin, uh, which sometimes people hold on, hold on, hold on. I just want to put it here. There's nothing wrong with that. You yeah. don't have to go present yourself, right? As yo, I am the expert in <laughs> science, or I'm the expert, right? In like, like I'm the expert in the field of this. Yeah, come and hire me and pay <laughs> me thousands of dollars. And you know, see, people do that, and they don't have one single client. Why? Because you're fronting, sir. Literally, <laughs> years while I was in high school, I mean, while I was in university, I had I, I just did I did freelance. Um, I did what it, I did what it took to make money. I had an mm-hmm. art company, right? 
but I did what it took to make money. I, I graphic designed some things on the side. Um, I, um, I once, I once even became a marketing director for a law firm that went on to be acquired. Like mm. it's insane. The pe- like the, the, the concept that you have to be some glamorous expert in order to make bank. Like imagine this, you are now 19 years old and you get offered a marketing director position in the law firm. Yeah. And you, and you in your mind, and, and you say yes, obviously. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I say yes. I say yes. Thank you very much. But the truth is, I was offered that because it's just transparency. Yeah. You do you not think that people will discount you just because you're in university? No. No, no. no. Right? Yeah. I, I think it's a matter of, you know, I, was, I forgot where I read this not too long ago, but it's not like so much, you know, your age or, or whatever. It's like what you provide to the table to whoever you're working with, whether it be like, for example, you just mentioned, you know, uh, a law for a law firm and what the services and knowledge that you offer to them that, you know, maybe someone else who may be having a degree or who may have four, who may be four years older than you doesn't have the same level of experience or, or knowledge or services that you can provide. Right. And, and yeah, you don't have to like have be an expert or proclaim, proclaim yourself as an expert, I think. And this is like the saying that, you know, goes, goes way back is like, you know, your actions speak louder than words, right? Like if you can provide to me, you know, successful, if you're a, let's say if you're a marketing expert or an SEO expert, you can provide the the service of, you know, putting my business or my page on the first page on searching on, on Google, instead of you saying that you've done, you know, a million of searches or, you know, you've got thousands of clients, but you've got like no case studies or anything to back that up. I think a lot of people would rather see that. And, 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 you know, it's, it's a matter of knowing also who you are. Right. And, and I think, I'm, I'm not sure if we chatted about this when we've talked, uh, when we've talked a lot, but like that imposter syndrome as well. Right. And, and, um, going into the notion of, you know, knowing who you are as an individual, what you can provide and not getting lost, uh, with, with the rest of the individuals and what they think that, that you try to show up on people are like, Oh, this person's doing that. Like I got to do that as well. Or I got to be an expert in that or, or I got to chase All that. Right. Game, right? So, hear me out. Hear me out though. Hear me out though. Cause yeah. I came, my, my company came from, came from like my art company now as it were. And I was just in a pretentious industry of times. Like art is a pretentious industry when you go to the higher levels. <laughs> it's literally wine, cheese, charcuterie, those little meat things. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> there's two sides to the coin here, guys. There's literally two sides and I'm going to go into this real quick. The first side is don't front. Okay. Right. Don't front. Don't act like you're an expert. I'm not saying you got to go there and like, Oh, I'm just starting out. You know what I mean? That you won't get paid like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. Let me just experiment on your business. Like, wow. Am I going to sign your contract? If you're telling me you're here to experiment. Maybe. Probably not. No. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I did it once. Um, <laughs> and at the end of the day, the guy paid me back and said, yeah, I messed up. You know, but I, I came in knowing fully and knowing that I could lose my money. Mm-hmm. Right. But the success rate here, the reason why I brought up the art thing is because when I was in the art business, have you guys ever heard the quote, you know, um, show up every fake it until you make it. Yeah. 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 Okay. What that quote means. And you know, I want example of a deeper version of that quote or like another version that I'm, I love actually love is fake it until you make it. I'm not, I'm not an advocate of it. Mm. Right. Not at all. But the interpretation that I love of this cult is like this. Fake it until you make it means you woke up. You didn't mm-hmm. close the deal yesterday, but you go into the next deal with the confidence that you actually closed the deal. Yeah, exactly. 
I'm not saying that you need to act like you're larger than life. You should show up confidently to each scenario. You should dress your best. You should put the best foot forward. But you shouldn't be faking like Lamborghinis. I don't even know how people do that. Uh, but you shouldn't, <laughs> Actually, I do know. But you shouldn't be doing that. You should present yourself. But you don't have to um, put your whole guts on the table. A lot of people get it confused in today's world where they believe that um, for people to know you, you have to show all your dirty laundry to the public. Mm. No one needs to know everything about you. You need to present your best foot forward and be honest, right? Because at the end of the day, if you make someone $10,000 and they pay you $2,000, they're going to pay you $2,000 again to make them $10,000. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, and a quick thing here is this. Um, I think this is probably the last thing until I give you back the question here, Mr. Aaron. No, you're uh, good. Your host. Uh, but it's this, man. There's a time before my art business started. So now the art business has a couple of government contracts. You work with City Abbotsford and a um, couple other companies as well, right? Um, leasing art and providing killer opportunities for, you know, the homies and for artists um, around the community. Um, but before that, you know, about a year and a half before that, the, the company took a rock bottom turn. What happened was, and, you know, I say the company, but at the time it's just me, right? Yeah. You know, people always like, oh, yeah, we have a team. We're, no, no. We, I know your we is a you. Is a you. Okay? <laughs> yeah, like your we is a you. Like, oh, yeah, we. Mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's just you and you and a couple homies. Yeah. Uh, but. Like what it was is that at that time, before all that started happening, the art business went through a period where I was literally making 50 bucks or 75 bucks a month, 75 bucks a month mm-hmm. from a couple subscriptions, right? Now, what 75 bucks a month, 75 bucks, actually it was like 150 something. But what that feels like when you have no overhead, an extra 150 bucks a month, what it feels like when you have no overhead, no anything to pay for maybe just your phone bill probably 70 bucks or whatever it feels like you're rich yeah 80 dollars extra a month feels like you're rich depending on how you use it like mm-hmm. you could eat out once a week twice a week depending on where you eat out you could have money enough to eat out all the time if you're really like buying a slice of pizza yeah right? being frugal about it yeah if you'd be you know conscious so what that feels like is a lot different from what it actually is and so, you know, as you kept going, sometimes I make a thousand bucks, right? We, get, we went up to a thousand bucks during that time. Like the period I'm talking about is like a thousand bucks. And I was making everywhere between 175 bucks to a thousand bucks um, a month with this art thing uh, before, it, before it took off, right? And what happened was, is I would go to university, you know, I would see all these people eating out. I would sometimes stop and buy that cookie at the bandit machine. I'd get that lunch sandwich while I was there studying. Because um, I was like, you know what? I can do it, right? And I would take trips with my friends. It was funny money. I would take trips um, because with an extra thousand bucks a month, you, when you're around like high school kids or university kids rather, you're rich. You're mm-hmm. literally rich. Like, I'm blessed that I didn't have the affliction of the club or anything like that. I, I, yeah, I had no that intention of going. Could have gone bad. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I have no intention of, like I've, like, I've seen all the beaches. I never got the travel bug, you know. But um, when you have that type of money, when everyone in college doesn't have a disposable income of more than a, hundred, a few hundred bucks, you feel like you're the stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You feel like you're the top guy. So for about a year, I was in this false world. 
I was in a false reality, right? Where I thought I had money, but it's because I was around a certain crowd. And what happened was about the next semester was coming up, right? I was spending money off and I wasn't saving it. Uh, I had to pay for my tuition, mm-hmm. right? And at the time, tuition is like three grand, right? For me, 2,975 or something, right? And I did not have enough money to pay for tuition, right? And mm-hmm. if I'm not paying for it, where, where's the money going to come from? Yeah. So at the time, I had to go pick up. I, now, I'm a big, big business owner. I'm on Instagram. You know, yo, this guy's killing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> this guy's taking interviews. You know what I mean? But I only had zero. I couldn't even pay for tuition. Like, I can't <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I was, I had to get a summer job. Literally, I, like, I'm telling you, I was the stuff. I was speaking on panels. You know what I mean? And yeah. to come at a thousand bucks, disposable, you know, income. Um, I was speaking on panels, but I couldn't even pay for tuition. Right. Mm-hmm. And I got a reality check right there and then. Gotcha. Because for the next two months, I had to transit every morning, woke up at six on someone else's schedule, take a train into Vancouver an hour each day, end to end, right? Mm-hmm. Get off, work in Vancouver, take an hour back on the train every day, just to, and at the end of the time, just to save enough money for university. For, for the tuition. Yeah. yeah. Right? Now, I say that to say this, and obviously I had a reality check, homies sat me down, this is why I need good friends around you. This time, they're like, how much money are you making? Mm-hmm. That's the first time someone ever checked me. I was like, how much money are you making? I was like, man, I was the only, they're like, yeah, I was on like 250, man. They're like, man, that's broke. You shouldn't be doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Charge more. Like they really just evaluated the whole thing. Um, I love these guys to death. But it was at that moment where when you had brutally honest and transparent moment with yourself and with the people around you, right? you then can take your game to the next level, right? So mm-hmm. this is what I want to say um, for listening to all that story so far. Um, long story short, after that, you know, started hustling harder, took on different positions, marketing director, blah, blah, blah. Um, started landing contracts with the government, blah, blah, blah. That's cool. That's cool and all. But the thing I want to ask you guys, if you're listening, the biggest thing you can take away is what is your reality, mm. right? What is your actual reality? Check your bank account, guys. Literally, check your bank account. Look at what you're spending money on. Look at how much actual cash you have, right? Yeah. Look at your reality. What's your monthly cash flow? You know what I mean? Just check yourself. Check your reality. You're in university. I get it. People around you, you know, um, they're there. They're spending. They're chill. They probably have dad's money, mom's money. You know, they probably have something else. Doesn't matter. Check your reality. Don't, don't just check your reality. Don't concern yourself with others. Check your reality. Once you check your reality, come face to face with it and say, is this what I want? Will this enable me to live the life I want? And if it's not, stop deluding yourself about your business saying, oh, it's just a matter of time. Each day I'm going to add this client. And over 10 years or over three years over the next year, if I just get four more clients each month, right, I'm going to be able to do what I'm going to do. The reality is it's going to take too long to do it. And there, there's most likely another way that you haven't been examining because you haven't been confronting your reality. Um, so that's one thing I would say to anyone in university that's listening to this, whether you're in entrepreneurship or not, 
or you're just a regular university student, check your reality, right? It's only with coming face to face with your reality that you can actually have growth. No, I mean, like, I think for, for a lot of students and, and like to, to touch upon a couple of the points that you said there, I think for a lot of students, um, the reality is the, you know, the scariest part, but also it's the most important part. Um, reason being, I think for, you know, especially speaking as a university student myself is that you never, you don't sometimes want to face the reality because you're scared of what you're going to see, right? Whether it be that, you know, you're living, you know, paycheck to paycheck and you're, you know, you're not really understanding of, you know, how to be, you know, financially stable, how to save money, how to invest money, how the money can, you know, grow for you, et cetera. Um, because you're living in the, in the now, right. And you're getting that instant gratification, whether that is you through food or through, you know, going out every Friday night or every weekend. Um, and, and again, just to clarify, like there's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're understanding that that's the, of, that's the reality that you're going to live in. Right. But if you're wanting to get from point A to point B, without focusing on how you can make changes from point A to point B, I think that's when people sometimes get that misconnection. And that's when things go a little bit awry when people want to make change without them actually having to do any change. Right. So the reality check is super important. I think for, um, and speaking on a more personal note, like I'm graduating in, in the next two months, I'm graduating in May. And for me, my reality check was, uh, at the beginning of this year of 2020 in my last semester of, what is it? Where do I want to be in a year? What goals do I have to do? Or sorry, what moves do I have to do to achieve my goals? Are those actually achievable goals, smart goals, etc.? Um, but yeah, just being true to yourself, I think, is super important. And and taking a step back from you know living living in the now and getting that instant gratification, but thinking about the delayed gratification and and as well as you mentioned, not comparing yourself to to others of you know that person's living their life like that. I want to live their life like that but you not you may not know how it is that they're living their life right now and their reality may be different from the reality that they're living so um i think you nailed on some great points that i know for a lot of people will really not only give them a sense of inspiration but also a sense of like actionable items as well right and things that they can do right after listening to this episode is you know bring out like a notepad or a journal and just write down like where do you want to see yourself in 6 months where do you want to see yourself in a year how can you achieve those things and keeping yourself accountable to those goals, I think is super important, Gary. Well, one more thing, you know, and we're in an age of consistent social media, all these things. Mm -hmm. uh, this is going to really change. Uh, this really changed it for me. Like if you can't run your business between building a business, being a social media star, or putting out content, mm -hmm. pick building a business. You know, you may say, Oh, Gary, my, you know, my, uh, my client base is on my Instagram. I'm marking to them constantly. Um, the real truth of the matter is once you check your reality and you recognize that how many clients did I actually get from Instagram? How many clients did Instagram actually add to my bottom line in the last three months, mm -hmm. six months, or a year? And if that number is less than a thousand bucks, I'm sorry. I don't think you can do both. Yeah. And that's a big deal, right? If you can't do both, just go build the business, right? Um, yeah. And being yeah, like, and like, sorry to interrupt, but just kind of quickly chime in there and, and not being like, just to add to that, like in the sense of what you said, living in the social media world of not, not necessarily, uh, you know, being proud of your wins, no matter how big or how small, especially when it comes to, to building your business. 
um, but not having the desire to necessarily post every single thing and, you know, post every single win. And sometimes, you know, I've got the sticker on my laptop right here from, from a local, local uh, streetwear company front runner, shout out Josh, but it says move in silence, right? Like you, you can do the work, you can do the growing and you don't necessarily have to be, you know, in the silence aspect of it is just, you know, you doing you and you keep living your reality and working towards your goals. You don't have to necessarily be sharing that every single minute of every single day. Right. So, um, yeah, Let me I think even this. Let me give you this. First of all, like 100% moving signs. I get it. I hear you guys, you know, same time. Like if you don't talk about your successes, no one else will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm balance, right? Right. That's, it's not even a balance. It's like, talk about your successes at the same time. Here's what I'll caution, right? Sure. Talk about your successes, but you guys are like, think about talking about something to, it competes for the same resources of action. But the most important thing here is this, you know, there are people out there, regardless of what you think or whatever, they do not want you to win. Mm-hmm. There are literally people out there. You know, they're, they call them the haters, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that do not want you to win. And here's the thing. When you, the human being has a longing to be consistent. The human being has a longing to be consistent. When we're not consistent, we come out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when we're not aligned, people start to feel depressed. People start to feel insecure because their reality doesn't match what they should feel or what they believe should be happening. And so the thing is when you take the energy and the time to show your moves or to show your win or to show every little thing or to show only your highlights, you become inconsistent when you have down moments in your actual life. And then you go towards the platform to see only highlights. Mm. When this inconsistency occurs, this is when you feel different emotions, whether it's imposter syndrome, depression, da, 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 whatever it is, it's that inconsistency that causes the pain. What I encourage everyone to do is, you know, definitely move in silence. Great. Right. But, but if you build it in secret, no one's going to know what to knock down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And let's yeah. talk about that's that's literally it. Building secret, no one's going to do to knock down, and you leave yourself. Um, it's a defense for yourself, right? You leave you you're defending yourself because you're not leaving yourself open to the inconsistency that could occur, uh, like the inconsistency I was talking about, like whether imposter syndrome, you know, that bio, all these things that could occur that could slow you down by posting a lot right and that comes from a mindset shit okay mm-hmm. so definitely would super encourage uh everyone you know share your wins great if it's going to benefit you positively in that game share your wins but remember that first of all talking and doing compete for the same resources you're not nearly as good as you think you are when you just start by the way and then if you, the human being longs to be consistent, right? So whatever you post online, you're going to long to, you're going to long to be consistent in all avenues of your life. And whenever something's not matching up, something will give. So 
just be cautious of that. You, you long to be consistent. Yeah, no, that's, that's like when you break it down like that. And I think like in general, all the examples that you've given have, you know, the way that you can connect it with like everyday life, whether, as you mentioned, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a university student or both or, or neither, I think even as well, um, I is like the, the way that you to be able to provide the knowledge to these individuals. So, um, on that note, I, I appreciate obviously you, you taking the time of, out of your day to, you know, provide a, a lot, a lot of insight. And I, in the last, you know, 40, 45 to 50 minutes that we've been chatting, um, I know that you could probably go on for, for another hour or so, but, um, in respect of your time and everything like that, but, um, where can, um, where can people find you? Where can people stay up to date with you and kind of with what you're doing? Um, and maybe even reach out to you as well in, in terms of if they, if, if you guys learn something, shoot Gary a DM and let him know that you're obviously thankful of that. So where can, where can people find you, Gary? Yeah, you can definitely find me on Instagram at the Gary Parker, T-H-E-G-A-R-Y-P-A-R-K-E-R. Or you can just text me at 604-617-2068. Seriously, you can literally just text me. Um, yeah. Fun fact, there's a whole thing happening in the texting world right now. Um, if you want to make a pretty penny or just make some cash, go look into text. All right. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate it. Even more insight. No, appreciate you. Um, again, thank you guys so much for, for taking the time. And um, yeah, this episode was definitely geared towards more of uh, like the students, whether it be, as we mentioned earlier, university, entering university, almost about to graduate university. I know a lot of my uh, personal social circle and a lot of the listeners that we have on the show are in kind of similar similar areas in life. Um, so whether you're you know aspiring business person, you you own a business, or you just want to make some learn a ways on how to make cash on the side, um, this podcast definitely brought some value to that. So Gary, thank you again so much. Make sure to show Gary some BV love, and um, yeah, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the episode and have a good rest of your day. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.